Welcome to the Build Your Own Table podcast. I'm your host, Nakia Gray, intellectual property attorney, business coach, author, wife, momager, and biz bestie. I know that creating and leveraging intellectual property is how the wealthiest people in the world acquired their wealth, and I believe it's how you should too. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring and motivating women, particularly women of color, to tap into their own creative genius and use it to create, protect, and monetize their intellectual property so they can build wealth through entrepreneurship. My guests and I are going to share our stories of how we got tired of waiting for someone to give us a seat at the table, so we built our own. If you're tired of shrinking to fit into spaces that weren't designed for you, you're in the right place. Welcome to the show. And welcome to day number two of Tales from the Crypt. I am your host of this fantastic party, Nakia Gray. Just in case you have never met me and you're like, what in the world is this girl talking about? I am a business and IP attorney for entrepreneurs. And I decided to do a three-day live series um, titled Tales from the Crypt to share some crazy stories some tales that have landed some businesses in the business or legal graveyard. And so the purpose of this is for me to share stuff with you so that you can learn, make some adjustments and not have to have those things happen to you. Okay. So we kicked things off yesterday with, um, on day number one, and that was all about, um, contracts. We were talking about contracts yesterday. So if you missed yesterday there, it was some good stuff. I shared some really good um, stories about contracts, the importance of reading them, understanding them, and understanding your power, owning your power. One of the things that I really try to do in my work and um, working with entrepreneurs is to empower my, uh, my clients. I want you to feel empowered. I want you to understand and know that you have a powerful position. You are the owner of a business. And that means you don't have to do anything. You're the boss. And so if someone presents you with a contract, you have the, the right to, to not sign that contract, to negotiate it, to read it, to review it, to have your lawyer review it and all of that. And I think sometimes that when it comes to contracts, people are so um, just a little nervous about it because they don't really understand it and they feel like they don't necessarily have that power. So I talk all about that um, on day number one. So if you missed it, it is on my Instagram. It's pinned to the top of my Instagram and it's pinned to the top of my Facebook page as well. So you can go catch that read. Now today we are getting into something different, okay? Today is all about owning your stuff right? Um, intellectual property is truly the most valuable asset that your business has. I know you might think that it's you and you might think that it is however it is that you do what you do, but even that is considered intellectual property. It's IP. And so where business owners can go wrong is not fully understanding how to own, not fully understanding what they should own, not fully understanding how to go about owning, okay? And so today, that's what we're talking about. So the first tale that I want to share with you is not from one of my clients. It's from a it's a, it's from somebody else's client, but it is such a good tale and there's so many important um gems and lessons that we can learn from it that I just have to share that with you, okay? So um there is a company uh in Georgia. It's a brewing company called Sweetwater Brewing. And this company was started back in 1996. It was two friends. 
that decided that they were going to start a, a brewery. And, um, and so they decided that they're starting this company, they partnered together and they had, they hired one of, one of the owner's friends was a graphic designer. And so they said to him, ironically enough, his name is Mr. Fuss, <laughs> which I think is just hilarious. And you will too, um, in a second. So they hire Mr. Fuss and they say, Mr. Fuss, we really want um, a nice uh, trout fish logo to go for with our, um, our new brewing company. And so Mr. Fuss says, oh yeah, absolutely. I can do that for you. This is 1996, by the way, okay? 1996 when they start this company. And so Mr. Fuss sends them an invoice and it's for $500. And they pay Mr. Mr. Fuss the $500 and they, they launch their company. So this company goes on, you know, fast forward 20 or so years. And in 2020, they are approached by another company to purchase that company, to purchase Sweetwater, which is, which is honestly an entrepreneur's dream, right? Like for, for many of us, we start our businesses, we're working in them, but do we necessarily want to work till the day that we die? No. I mean, that's a great opportunity. Exit strategy is for you to sell it make millions and millions of dollars and go on your way and start your next business or do whatever it is that you want to do. So the owners, um, so whenever a business is sold, it has to be valued, right? Because how do we determine what is the right price for this company? So there's a valuation that happens and Sweetwater is valued at, I want to say it's like 90 million, um, $92 million was, was the valuation. And a huge part of that, like I told you at the beginning, is the IP. So the IP that Sweetwater owned was valued at 92 million, attributed to this $92 million valuation. So Mr. Fuss says, oh, so part of that IP is the logo that I designed, right? So Mr. Fuss says, oh yeah, y'all gonna need to give me some more money. Mr. Fuss sends a demand through his lawyer, sends a demand, for $30 million, sends a demand letter that says, you no longer have the right to use my IP, which is this logo that I drafted, that I prepared for you. And in order for you to continue to use it, you need to pay me $30 million, <laughs> okay? And so he just completely blindsided everybody because they thought, oh, we paid you $500, that's it. So. Here is where, you know, and, and one thing I'm going to tell you all about this series is that every day is linked to the next day, okay? So when it comes to running your business, managing IP, um, protecting your IP, they are all related. Contracts relate to copyrights, which is what we're talking about today, and sneak peek for tomorrow, I'm going to talk about trademarks, but they all touch each other. They're all related, okay? So what is the lesson that we learned yesterday that Sweetwater didn't follow? contract. Okay. There, there was no contract between them and Mr. Mr. Fuss. So Mr. Fuss uh, made the argument that, Hey, I mean, yeah, I gave them that, but I was under the understanding that I was just charging $500 for right now, but as the company grew and as the value of the IP, IP being the logo that I created as that grows, so will my interest. And so will the value of what I did in my work. And I want to be paid for that, right? So that is a huge lesson. And, and here's the thing. Mr. Fuss is not wrong. Mr. Fuss is not wrong. Mr. Fuss is, ha has a strong argument. Now, whether Mr. Fuss will, will succeed or not, we don't know yet, right? So I'm watching this case 
very carefully. So when Mr. Fuss sent this demand, the owners, the, the current owners, the, the two friends who were the current owners of Sweetwater, along with the company that was acquiring them, were in a frenzy because they're like, well, wait a minute. We are buying this company. Part of what we're buying is the brand recognition. It's it's the brand positioning. It is who they are, right? So as the as the per, as the purchaser, I don't know that I want it if I have to start all over with new branding and new logo and all that, and and teach customers and consumers, um, you know, to, to be loyal to something different. So that definitely just shook things up, right? Mister Fuss caused a lot of fuss by doing this, and. I think that that is just so it, 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 I totally can under, I can only imagine in the conference rooms and on Zoom. Well, actually, this happened in 2020. So this was during the pandemic. So we were all on Zoom. So I, I, I'm sure there were Zooms blowing up all over the place because they're like, well, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. So, um, so Sweetwater and the parent and the company that was acquiring them filed a lawsuit. Um, because they want a federal court to make a determination that they, in fact, are the owners of this artwork and this logo and this branding. So here are the two sides to it, okay? Mr. Fuss is correct in the sense that as the creator of the work and absent a, a written agreement transferring ownership, he is the owner, okay? However... Sweetwater has a strong argument and, and, and this, their argument really comes from an implied license, right? So an implied license comes into play because they can say, well, we've been using this for many, many years. He never said anything about we couldn't use it. He never said anything about wanting more money. We paid him his $500. We were under the impression that the $500 was a done deal and we had a forever license to use it. The problem with this, which is what ties it back into yesterday, is that both of them have perceptions that could be true. However, there's no writing. So if that if there was a contract, then we would be able to say, okay, I understand Sweetwater, that's what you think. I understand Mr. Fuss, that's what you think, but let's look to the contract. And unfortunately, there is not one. So that's why the court has to step in and to make this decision. So how does this relate to you? How many of us in our businesses are also creating our own logos? I will wait. I don't see any hands raised on Instagram and I'm sure there's no hands, maybe one, there might be a graphic designer here, right? Oh, we do have one, okay. Sharon raised her hand, we have one hand, okay? But for most of us who are in the beauty industry, in coaching, in fitness, in health, in restaurants, doing you know amazing work, most of us don't also have the gift of graphic design. So what do we do? We hire people to do that, okay? Sometimes it's like Mr. Fuss and it's a friend of the family. Sometimes it's somebody that we, you know, we're referred to someone, we find someone online, we go on a, on a website and we find someone to do that for us. It is so important. It is beyond important. It is crucial for you to understand that under copyright law, and this is an easy way for you to remember that, I want you to remember the letter C. The creator owns the copyright. So whoever creates it owns it. That is it. That that's 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 step number one. Of course, you do a TikTok on that. Step number one. Step number one, the creator owns it. Step number two, the way that it gets from the creator to the owner is by contract. There's another C. 
You learned about it yesterday. You learned about the importance of it. So that is where Sweetwater went wrong. Now, do I, I can't wait. I've been watching this case and I'm like, what is the federal court doing? They've done, they, there's no decision yet. I can't wait to hear how this is going to play out. Cause I truly, and that's, a, that's, that's, you know, every good lawyer can argue um, both sides of any case, right? I could certainly make tons of arguments for Mr. Fuss. Absolutely. The, the, the law is on Mr. Fuss's side. The facts though, and what's practical and what's reasonable under the law, I think is going to lean more in the favor of, of Sweetwater because there's nothing that says that, um, that, that Mr. Fuss asked for an annual um, you know, increase or an annual license, never said a word. And you're talking 1996 to 2020, that's a very long time. A company doesn't usually go from being worth $0, which is what it was worth when the two um, friends started it, to 92 million overnight, right? So there was a, a progression. So when it was worth a million, two, three, this is what I would be arguing if I was in court. Y'all know I used to be a litigator, fun fact. So if I were in court arguing for Sweetwater, that's what I would be saying. You know, I, if I were cross-examining Mr. Fuss, I would be saying, so at the end of 1997, and the company was valued at, you know, $500,000, did you feel that you were entitled to more? Did you say anything? What about at the end of 1998 and 99? And I would go all the way up to show to the court, no, Mr. Fuss saw that the price went up. And so Mr. Fuss said, okay, if they are able to sell this company at $92 million with my drawing, my creative work plastered all over their um, all over their branding, I clearly had something to do with it and I need to be paid. And that $500 is not enough payment. And so, so that's kind of where that is. Okay, so that's, that's the first tale. So understanding copyright law and the creations of, of it, okay? So let, let me share with you another story. This is from a real case. This is from um, a client. I, I made this disclaimer yesterday. I will make it again today. The Sweetwater case that I just shared is public information. That is that is all factual and true. Mr. Fuss's name really is Mr. Fuss. All of that is true. In this story, um, this tale that I'm about to share, I have changed some of the names and some of the facts. Um, but the moral of it is the same, okay? So my client, we are going to call her Monica, is a children's author. And she wrote um, a very, very nice, great story that had a beautiful illustrations and characters in it. And so she decided, you know, at, she self-published, she self-published the first edition of it. And so after that, she um, it did very well. And there was, you know, you know, a lot of times with children's um, work or anything related to kids, kids get very connected and feel drawn to things. And so she realized, oh, wow, this might be a, a great series. I'm going to do some more. And um, so two things happened, which is what prompted her to hire me. One, she was approached by a major publisher for a book deal, and they wanted to um, to publish and do, you know, help her to really bring this to the masses, right? Which was a great thing. So what is the first thing that the, um, not maybe not the first thing, but within the first five things that the publishing house attorney asked us for was proof of ownership which we were easily able to show with the copyright registration of the text, um, the manuscript of the book. And then they asked for copyright ownership and proof of ownership of the illustrations, the characters. And so 
I was talking to Monica and I'm like, oh, okay, we're, you know, who designed this? And she was like, oh, I just got somebody on Fiverr to do it. Now, for those who don't know Fiverr, I swear by Fiverr. I use Fiverr for many things because again, I'm a lawyer. I am not a graphic designer. So I have hired people on Fiverr to do all kinds of things for me. But what did we learn in tale number two earlier today? The creator owns the copyright, right? So she had hired someone on Fiverr. Now, just so that you know, built into Fiverr's terms and conditions on their website, there is language that clearly states that all of the work that is done by a freelancer will be owned by the purchaser of the gig, which would be us as the business owner, right? So that's already there. I, however, advise my clients, and it is my practice to not stop there. Why? Because when this publishing company is on the phone and they're asking us for proof of ownership, we need more than to send them to Fiverr's Terms and Conditions website, okay? We don't want to put our um, stock in that. Why? One, what if Fiverr, Fiverr goes away tomorrow or gets bought out or changes their terms and conditions? There is nothing that says that those were the terms and conditions on the day that Monica hired the person, right? So that wasn't enough. And so then we have to now try to find the person and we couldn't do that. So we could never, we did. So Monica had not filed to copyright the illustrations. We had zero proof whatsoever that she was the owner of this. And so that changed the deal. So we had to, we had to start over. The second part of that is that she wanted to, because there had been such popularity with the characters, um, we were we were considering planning to trademark those um, character logos, the, the, the characters in the logo for purposes of merchandising. So we were going to do some plush toys, um, you know, think about, you know, Harry Potter and all the other kids things, right? You've got sleeping bags, lunch boxes, book bags, all these other things. So there was a great opportunity on the table for us to do that, but none of that could happen because Monica didn't own it, right? She felt like in her gut, she felt like she did. It was hers, it was her idea, but she didn't have the proof of ownership. This is crucial, okay? You are running a business. There are so many opportunities that can come your way. And trust me, when Oprah calls or Tyler Perry or this publishing house, they are not waiting for you to scramble around and try to figure out what you need to have in place. They are going to expect you to send them a copyright registration. And you can't do that. You cannot copyright things. You cannot trademark assets or things that you don't own. So my whole point of day two of the Tales from the Crypt is to learn how to own your stuff. Take inventory of what you have and make sure that you own it because you never know when Oprah's going to come calling or Tyler Perry wants to use something that you have or whoever, whoever, or Nakia Gray for that matter, right? I mean, maybe I want to bring you into, you know, doing a, a, an event and, or I want to license something from you. You can't do anything without making sure that you own it. And if you didn't create it, you don't own it. There are ways, there are steps that you have to take to, to get there, right? And so you can, and you, you have to learn that. And it has to just be something that just comes up in your mind, right? So I want to stress the importance of you getting familiar with that, understanding it, 
and investing in learning it. Invest in attorneys, invest in your business and legal education so that you can understand how to maneuver and work in your business. As a business owner, yes, I understand you are doing whatever it is that you do for your clients and that's important and you're great at it. You are already, you know, a master at that. That is, that's hands down, you are. But all of that is worth nothing if you don't actually protect it, okay? It really, I say this all the time, how much money you make and how successful you are in business is directly tied to how much attention you will pay to having legal protections in place. If you don't, you, it doesn't matter. You can think that you are securing every bag in the world, but if you haven't secured the brand, that bag is not going to last and it's not going to stay. And you might end up spinning the bag and trying to figure it out, okay? And so don't be like Sweetwater. I, I, I would love to see the attorney's fees bills of the Sweetwater company right now because this has cost them a tremendous amount. When you think about if they had just had an attorney draft the proper contract, when they engaged Mr. Fuss, they would not be here. But instead, they are now spending, my guess would be hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. There's probably a halt on the sale because if I'm, if I'm the company that's buying it, if I can't buy the company and all the IP and goodwill and brand loyalty that they have acquired from 1996 to 2020, either I might not want it or I'm certainly not paying $92 million for it, right? So that has affected everybody's bang because Mr. Fuss is making a fuss as he should, as he should, okay? He also has some risk too though, right? Because he's got to pay attorneys and he might not necessarily win. He could have had, a, had a, an attorney and a contract that says what he's now saying, what's his understanding in terms of what he's being paid today, but as it would, would increase or what the annual licensing fee would be for them to continue to use it. That could have all been worked out in the contract. He didn't do it either. Okay. The same with Monica. In Monica's case, thankfully she hired me right away. So we were able to at least salvage that deal, but she could have, they could have walked away. They could have said, you know what, lady, we're not going to deal with this. We fell in love with these characters and this our artwork and this story you don't own it we're moving on to the next there's a million other monicas and other children's authors out here so fortunately we were able to salvage it we had to i had to do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and we had to recreate and do everything over um but that could have cost her a major bag okay so um i i hope that 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 you understand that I, if you're saying, okay, Nakia, I get it. I, I need to know more. I want to understand this. You really should be joining me in my legally locked in program. The people that are in my program, the people that are in our membership, they don't have to worry about any of this stuff because I have it all laid out for them. Okay. I have done all the work so that all you have to do is just mention that you might be doing this and you're going to, and you're, and you're going to be taken care of. Okay. We have within I'm Legally Locked In everything as it relates to owning your content and copyright. So we've got um, 
great trainings that walk you through everything. I walk you through how to register your copyright. This is something that every entrepreneur should know. This is not something that you should be paying an attorney to do every single time that you need to do it. Number one, it's super expensive. Number two, it's really not that difficult once you understand it and learn how to do it, okay? So within our Legally Locked In program, I have a copyright training where I walk you, I explain everything to you, and I literally walk you through step-by-step step how to make sure that you are owning your content. I also have all the resources that you need for when you're hiring freelancers, because like I said, most of us are not taking our own pictures, doing our own logos, designing our own PDFs, you know, make editing our own videos, all of that stuff, all of that creative work. There's that C word again, creative work is owned by the creator and the copyright belongs to them. The way that it gets from them to you is by contract. And of course, I have all those contracts for you inside of Legally Locked In, okay? Um, this is so important. There have been lots of changes in the last couple of years within copyright, uh, the, cop the area of copyright law. My guess is we might even see some changes coming after the Sweetwater case. So the updates that I am doing release will include those. There's so many ways, you know, when I first started doing copyright, um, Back in 2014, my very first my very first digital course ever was a copyright course that I released in October, ironically, October of 2014. And it's changed so much even since then. There's, um, of course, as the online world has grown, there's so um, many other ways that we can make sure that we're protecting our online content. Originally, the copyright office wasn't, they didn't have all of that because there was no online, right? So now that we have people that are creating digital courses and there's so much digital content and podcasts and all those things, there's lots of new updates that have happened within a copyright office. There's also a new way to, to resolve disputes, which I, you know, it's, I'm curious as to why Mr. Fuss didn't go that way. But um, in 2020, at the end of 2020, um, the copyright office also opened up a new way of resolving disputes with copyright. And so I have a whole section inside of Legally Locked In that deals with that as well. Okay. So if you are a business owner, you cannot continue to do business and just cross your fingers, close your eyes and hope for the best. That ain't the way that this works. You are running a business. You need to understand how important having a solid legal foundation is to your success. And you also need to have a have resources and be around other people who understand that as well. Our office hours that we have every month and you would get access to that. I'm inside of um, Legally Locked In. I love, sometimes I can just sit there and listen to them, you know, help each other. Understanding, you know, when you are an entrepreneur, it, sometimes it can feel like a lonely place, right? It, it feels like you're in business by yourself. So being around, having a community of other business owners who are making moves and doing deals and doing all kinds of things, learning from them, rubbing, you know, virtual elbows with them. Um, within a community, that is valuable. That is one of the things that's one of the things that I really wanted to create because I know how it was when I first started in 2014, especially being an online business owner, where every day it's just me and my computer, right? And so I'm um, being able to come to those sessions and just share with everyone what you've got going on and um, get advice from me, get your questions answered, ask me to, you know, if you if you've got a question, you're wondering, you know, you're hiring someone, what should be in that contract? 
How do you make sure that you're going to own this? How do you go about copywriting it? All of that is handled within inside of Legally Locked In. And like I said, I am updating it. It is It was already good before, okay? Because I don't do things that aren't. It's already a great resource. Now it, I'm taking it up a, a, a huge notch. So what do you get inside of Legally Locked In? You've got every training that you need about entities, websites, copyrights, trademarks, and contracts. Got all of that stuff. Every single thing that you need to operate your business. You've also got access for three months. You can email me, DM me, whatever. My team is all over this because we um, we know that now is just such a great time to set people up for 2023 to be a really amazing year. So we're looking, we're checking DMs. Um, you can email us at support and lockedinlawyer.co. You can DM me on Facebook, DM me on Instagram. Um, and then I see I have some questions here. Da, da, da. In, the, in that case, should she? Okay, so I think this question is a, is going back to um, Monica. Okay, in that in that case, should she also have the illustrations copyrighted in her name if she had a work for hire contract? Yes, that's exactly what uh, what she would have wanted to do if she had if she had done that. Um, and then this says, does this include design templates through Canva? I'm not sure. Oh, oh yeah, yes. Okay. Oh, that's a great question. So when we're when you're talking about getting different designs, so any place that you are going to get design work, if you're getting it from an online space, you always want to be sure to review the terms and conditions. So that's the question that you're asking there. Within Canva, there are um there are there are licenses that within the terms and conditions, it tells you what type of license it is. That's the same for, you know, I know a lot of people going like creative market, um, iStock photo, iPhoto. There are tons of these places. Same with music. So the key is you want to make sure that the um the license that what the that the terms and conditions tell you how you can use it. Sometimes it says for personal use only. Okay, and so that's important because that means that you you can't use it within your business. And so a lot of times I've had people get in trouble with that. That would have been a great one for a, a great tale as well. I've had that happen where people have purchased, um, it happens mostly with music, sometimes with, with stock photography as well, but you have music, but you have it on a podcast that you're, 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 having, you're using that music on um, an intro for a podcast that you're monetizing. That's not personal use. Personal use is it's the background music for your wedding video or your gender reveal or something that you're just sharing personally. You're not making any money. You're not promoting anything. You're not selling anything. So understanding those terms and conditions is very important. The best thing to do, honestly, is to get is to create your own stuff. <laughs> if you can create your own stuff or hire someone to do it, having a solid um, work for hire contract and copyright assignment. Okay, that's another thing. Um, that's a, another great point. Uh, another addition that I'm adding to Legally Locked In. So when I launched Legally Locked In last year, it included a work for hire agreement. And so um, what I've learned as lots of people have gone through the program is that a lot of people didn't know that they needed to do that. Right. So people got in, we do the assessment and they're like, oh, my goodness, I, I don't have this. I don't own my logo or I don't own the website copy. I hired a copywriter to write the copy on my website or whatever it is. And so what they have to do is they have to double back. They got to go back, find that person and get a work for hire. But that contract looks different at this point when you've already done it. So I have now, that's another addition that I'm adding 
to legally locked in is the there's a different type of work for hire agreement that includes a copyright assignment because it's already done. So that contract looks a little different than if I'm hiring you and you're going to do it next week, or if I hired you and you did it in 1996, right? And so now I have both because I realized that a lot of people um, that join have already done some things and they didn't do that the right way. So now they have to go back and double back, which is fine. We can do it. Most of the time we can do it. Um, and so that was, that's what we tried to do in Monica's case, but we couldn't find um, the freelancer. So that's why we had to start over, but that's exactly what you would want to do. And that's why I've now added that as an addition. That's another addition that's coming in to Legally Locked In. Um, Gia said, good, good webinar. Thanks. Thank you so much, Gia. I hope that you are also going to join us tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm talking trademarks. And so, you know, a lot of, there's lots of confusion about the difference between copyright and trademarks. We're going to break all that down tomorrow. So thank you all so much. Let me just make sure um, that I don't have any other questions. Yay. Okay, good. Great. Thank, thank you, Tamia. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to buildyourowntablepodcast.com to connect with me. I'm Nakia Gray. I'll see you next time.